Time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jar Jar, homie, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey, this is escape. Then where the pod? Get the Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. You want some soup? Don't you agree? Another happy landing. All right, everybody, welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. We got season to episode one of the Mandalorian after show uh, going forward. These will be our Mandalorian nights and uh, joining us in the escape pod is Blake. Hey, man. Happy to be here. It's nice to uh, start talking about some fresh content. Oh, man. As always, like, I mean, on a weekly basis, it's hard to believe that that we get live action Star Wars on uh, on a streaming service like this to talk about. I mean, it, it was kind of like a, a shadow of a dream seven years ago <laughs> yeah man for sure like this is something that i think fans have really been waiting for for forever because i mean we got the animated show coming out which was great but a lot of people just kind of felt you know that was more aimed at kids right. this is like full cinema quality but we're getting like yeah. an entire series out of it instead of just a little like two and a half two hour block which yeah honestly i think is something we've all wanted our entire lives <laughs> Oh yeah, and and I mean this this all goes back. I mean I've had conversations about this I think with you guys on on um, uh, or at least uh, everyone who who did the the first season of, of Mandalorian roundtables. But um, I, I, it came up that Star Wars Underworld, which was yeah. rumored way back in like 2005 when Revenge of the Sith was all coming out, yeah, uh, I but that this. was yeah that was a thing. And and uh, you know George always spoke very highly of this so-called planned. Uh, live action Star Wars TV show that was going to happen, and, and he uh, wanted to do that for years, and he kept rechecking and like to see if it was possible. Because yeah. mm-hmm. at the time when he did this, you know, over each time he tried, it just always came back that it was just going to be way too expensive. There's no way that they could even yeah. break break even. And George was the kind of guy that he doesn't even need to make money if as long as it'll like break even, or even if it'll just be a bit under, he would just go for it. That's just how George is. Yeah, but exactly. it was just like. The, the tech to do the quality that he wanted on a, a show that would be coming out very coming out very consistently there it was just it just wasn't there there was the budget system it just didn't it wasn't cohesive didn't it was yeah. not the time but as we can see after the game of thrones really kind of showed everyone that it could be done mm-hmm. it was definitely time to take another look at it and honestly i think it came together beautifully it did, yeah, and I don't know. Have you ever? Did you ever go back and look at that old, uh, that concept, sort of like testing footage that they did for Star Wars Underworld? No, it I was it was very like something. Yeah, there's there's like a whole uh, eight minute sequence of shots that took place, uh, which was kind of like a mini episode, and uh, it was very like rough cut. Um, 
somewhat unfinished, uh, and I, I believe it was done by Stargate Studios uh, or something like that way oh, back when. Okay. Yeah, and I forget that, which year think, it was. I think they do Doctor Who special effects. Yeah, they they do they do. Do I think it's Doctor Who. They I mean and, they did and, Stargate. Um, yeah, uh, they also do. Um, I don't know if they if the show's even still on the air, but they did uh, Walking Dead as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, so yeah, Star Wars Underworld. Uh, all you, all you got to look up is Star Wars Underworld test footage, and uh, there's there's a bunch of sites that still have uh, the video. Um, Interesting. Okay. It is it is interesting, yeah. I, I mean, watching it, uh, it was it was cool. Like it felt very, very much inspired by the look of Coruscant uh, from Attack of the Clones, and okay. it kind of it kind of built off of that stuff. Um, and uh, they they I guess they inspired. Of course, it, it took place kind of after Episode mm -hmm. Three. I guess and, I'm kind of uh, I'm picturing it would be similar to a lot of the the underworld Coruscant episodes we got for like Clone Wars, like a uh, yeah yeah kind of yeah except action. more um, more kind of uh, yeah a little more, and I feel like this is where the show kind of took a visual difference between what the Star Wars were were used to knowing because it it felt almost some of the ships that you see in that test footage are very polished very uh, uh, very. Mm. Uh, Stargate-ish kind of thing, um, okay. and uh, I don't know. wasn't wasn't really wasn't really feeling it as far as the visual aesthetic, but uh, but it was cool I mean, to see. That could you know, just be an issue of the tech at the time, right? Because it's much easier to make something that's nice I think and shiny so. than something that's all gritty and grungy. It's way yeah, harder to make stuff like used. It's it's a lot it's a lot cheaper to just have you know those those proper like unproperly lit. Um, objects and stuff that they just throw in there and you know very shiny metals with no extra texture on it at all um stuff yeah, like that that's exactly you know? yeah so but yeah some of it felt very good um a lot of the and you know and some of the roto was like you know like the yeah. you could t there was like a green wash on some of the characters that were on yeah. green screen I'm, I'm looking at some pictures now and honestly it looks kind of like cheesy in that firefly kind of way where everything looks like it's just a little bit low budget yeah yeah exactly um actually i sent you a link in the in the zencaster chat here uh which has the video attached to it and uh i think what i'll do is i'll put that link to the youtube video in the description of this podcast for anybody listening at home and uh you can flick through it so the first half of it is actually the sequence that they made and then the last half of it is a uh, behind the scenes uh, b-roll footage of of them recording all the extras on the the stage and everything like that and they filmed this entire thing on a very small green screen green screen stage um as as a as a test because obviously they wanted to do low budget which low budget meaning you know they don't need to build a practical set with a huge in a huge sound stage which is what they do with some movies and um you know, and then and then of course, with the green screen, they're able to change as much as they want. So, uh, so yeah, there was there was a very small crew, um, and I think this whole thing was probably it, it was definitely paid for as a, as a test, I believe, but uh, ended up not happening. But I mean, at, what, what was the count for how many scripts there were? Because I think this was oh, there's some, a lot. Yeah, was I like think it was like the three or something. Like oh, I think it was more than that even. Like it all got shelved. I thought maybe I'm way off here, but I thought it was in like the 300 range. No, not oh, like really? full scripts, but like rough draft plots. Yeah, 
Yeah, and then there was some. I heard that there was also some plot that uh, that they would have had, like Palpatine would have had like a love interest. Or I remember hearing crazy. that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I'm not too some, some floozy. <laughs> I know. I'm not too. <laughs> hey, I'm not too on board with that. Honestly, well, well it's like, got to be canon now, man, or else we wouldn't have Ray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. See, <laughs> George's plan comes together in the end, no matter what. Yeah, one way or another, he gets what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. um, yeah, they gave him a love interest even before he had a first name. Yeah, 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 that is true. Sheev, sheev. Um, but but anyway. I mean, today, I mean, yeah. we've got we've got a show which is as brilliant as uh, as Mandalorian, and now we've got our second season to talk about. And this yeah. first episode being Chapter Nine, the Marshal, uh, obviously refers to the character of Cobb Vanth, which was uh, amazing. Uh, but I just want to start from the very beginning of the episode, you know. Mando and the child, they kind of walk into this like fight club, basically. Um, I think the first thing I noticed was like the uh, extensive use of the vibro axes, which. Yeah, that's pretty it, cool. Yeah. Like, they, and in Gamorreans, I mean, we haven't seen Gamorreans in forever. Right. And it's cool that they're like, they're in this battle arena and they're like forced to basically be gladiator duelists for all this entertainment, right? Yeah. But I was surprised that they had those shields. It's very, very Dune-esque, if you've ever seen or heard mm. of the, the old Dune series. Yeah, and they, they have, have like, movie for force Dune fields. Out, right? I think there is, yeah. But in yeah. Dune, they have, like, shields around their entire body, so this, like it's really hard to kill people. Okay. It looks similar to that. And to be honest, I didn't like that. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of confused when I saw that. I, I didn't yeah. know if it was a shield or if it was, like... It looked like it because whenever the axe was about to hit like the body with the the other axes as well. But even when it went to hit the body, there'd be like a a glowy kind of like bubbly thing and it would ricochet off sparks. Mm. And honestly, when the first uh, time I saw it went went through my head was, oh, Disney doesn't want blood. Yeah. uh, Or (laughs) gruesome deaths on Disney Plus. It's it's a dueling arena. This is what you're going to have. You know, go for it. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish that that they had. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the most gruesome thing we've seen in Mandalorian, and uh, I probably guess, disintegration. Yeah, probably, probably that, or or. Um, but, uh, see, Star Wars isn't new to blood, though, because A New Hope they they cut off Fana Babar's arm. Well, and and as long as it's not red, I, I think it's okay to have to have. Yeah. Yeah, you, you won't of... lose the PG-13. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, like... I don't know. That would be my preference to do that. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't like the shield cool. thing. To me, it seemed like a cop-out. And, like, why I, is it? I don't know. To me, I always start to wonder, like, why didn't they use things like this at other places? Because if you could have a personal shield, why wouldn't you? Yeah, well, uh, it is something that they added in with the video games. I and mean, we've seen personal it's true, shields yeah. uh, with, with Battlefront and Battlefront 2. But... Um, you know, they've, yeah, I, I just, I wonder if, um, uh, I wonder if it was the, the, the axes like clashing that made like that because they're both, they're both vibro axes, which, you know, we've seen that yeah. we've seen the vibro knife in the first season, very, very small scene with, with the, the knife 
threatened fight between Din Djarin and the John Favreau's Mandalorian character. But uh, this is the first kind of more extensive sequence that we've seen, like these these weapons, mm-hmm. uh, and we've never seen which them is clash. cool. I'm so glad that they're canonized because I remember oh, yeah. uh, playing all, books. Like, yeah, the old Kotor games too, man. You, like you actually get to use like swords and stuff. Yeah, and it's so cool to finally see this stuff canonized because it we've never seen it. Maybe in the animated series, but certainly not live action. Yeah, and and I mean the countless books and comics that we've we've heard and seen of vibro weaponry uh, is you know, uh, or Star Wars miniatures that have the ability on the cards or or whatever. Yeah, and, it's been uh, around forever. We've just never it seen has. it. It's always kind we've of just never seen EU it. sort of thing. Exactly, and and all the times that we do see a, a weapon like that in the films, they're not actually vibrating like with the effect. No, they're not. They're just so, like regular swords. Exactly. Yeah. So it was very cool to see that in the first season, and now it's even more cool to see it even extensively with these axes in the in the second season. But uh, and these are the same axes that the 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 gun the Gamorians held in you know Jabba's throne room and everything like that. Uh, yeah, they so are. They are the same thing. Yeah, so it's really cool to see those. Um, I, w- I would actually be pressed to think that those Gamorians are very likely there because they're not under the employment of Jabba anymore because he's dead. Well, there had to be more Gamorreans around than just Jabba. I'm sure Jabba didn't have the entire race enslaved. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, uh, after his death, um, in the Aftermath trilogy of books, uh, I guess there was there was a kind of an exodus of people that just left the Jabba's palace once they figured out he was dead. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, Okay, well, screw this. I'm not sticking around for somebody who's no longer alive. So, you know, a bunch. Of, I know a bunch of people left, including the Rancor's Beastmaster. Um, and so there was a bunch of people. So oh, there was a story if, about him, wasn't there? There is, yeah. And, yeah, uh, I remember hearing about think, this. I, I we'll can't actually, it or not. We'll get to that eventually because it actually has something to do with Cobb Vanth. But, um, but yeah, we uh, the, some of the Gamorians, I'm assuming, which were left as guards for the palace, probably ended up just packing up and leaving. And and it's interesting to think that maybe, maybe, maybe those two Gamorians could have been employed by Jabba at one time, uh, not that it's long definitely ago. Definitely possible. You know, less than you know, around five years ago at this point, right? So um, yeah, it is interesting to think about. But. Uh, Anyway, so Mos Pelgo is a third city on Tatooine that um, none of us have really ever heard about. I don't know if I'd call it a city. Like, it's, it, well, yeah, it's a town. Like I, guess. A, I wouldn't yeah. even say town. It's like a hamlet at best. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Well, okay. there's like four buildings. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair to say. Um, and and actually, the title of Mos Pelgo has kind of been lost uh, since the days of the Empire, and now it's uh, it's known as Freetown due to an event that happened in these books, which were written by Chuck Wendig. It's the Aftermath trilogy. There's a lot in this episode that kind of draws off those books. And uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of those books. I know you weren't the biggest fan of those books. No, but one thing actually I didn't mind about those books is they had some short stories in between the chapters that kind of expanded the universe a bit. I didn't mind those. That's what I liked about those books. Yeah, I didn't like the main story, but I did like the kind of like, little random like one-off like yeah two-page stories they had and i know Cobb vance was one of them yeah i do yeah. recall I, everyone remembers that part very vividly because he's got mandalorian armor right and everyone's mm-hmm. like oh is he is he boba is he boba like trying to yeah, figure it out is, right is he the and new it, yeah because he's the, is he the new boba because for a while you don't really 
you don't really hear his name until he kind of introduces himself. But, yeah, it's um, been a while since I read it, but I seem to recall they didn't announce who what his name was. Maybe in, in the first book, or I have to wait to the end of it. But it was, it was a like, while. It was a while. I feel yeah. like they dropped little tidbits throughout the whole trilogy. You didn't really find out until like the third book. Yeah, I, I, I vaguely remember. I, I think. Um, it, it was something like that. I remember yeah. thinking to myself, like, I, I just remember the one thing that sticks to me about the first book, which was when the the armor is revealed to be being held by all these Jawas. Um, I remember thinking, oh, like Boba's survived because if, you know, like, yeah. like how, how on earth would they recover that armor otherwise, right? Yeah, you would think, right? And, and let's not forget that there was an expanded universe book series that took place mm-hmm. right after... Uh, the, the events on Tatooine where Boba did escape the Sarlacc pit and it was like his yep. his comeback story. Yeah. Um, and I remember reading one of the books that really focused in on his character. It was called Bloodlines, I think. And, and I think it was the second book of the the Jedi Legacy series or something like that. Okay. Where in the timeline uh, was, was this one? Uh, you know what? Let me look it up. Star Wars... Bloodlines, Legacy of the Force, written by Karen Travis. Um, And this series was... I love how it was Karen Travis, so she just did all the Mandalorian books. She she did so many, yeah. Anything after the 90s. She also did did the novelization of uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars, um, the movie, like the theatrical release that that, uh, not a lot of people like. (laughs) Um, And uh, the the novel was actually pretty good. It, It actually elaborated a lot. But um, so it's around the same time as Jason and Jaina. So, you know, yeah. Galact- New New Republic era. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, Jason's uh, now a complete master of the force. So I, was, I would say it's probably like it's 20, 20, 25 yeah. years or so after yeah. Return of the Jedi. So it's much later down the timeline. It's uh, 40 ABY. Uh, there's a flashback in the book that takes place at 39 ABY, which is 39 years after Battle of Yavin. Um, so yeah, around the same time, roughly within a few years of like when the Force Awakens takes place is when this book takes place. Okay. So yeah, it takes takes a, takes place a while down the road, whereas like this is only five years away from Return of the Jedi. But um, yeah, so I don't know. Cobb Vanth, he was a cool character because I mean. Here comes this book that I'm like I don't care about this book at all, and yeah. and then and then we get all these interludes which uh, take place around different parts of the galaxy, uh, showing us different parts. You know, uh, may, there might only be like one. Uh, there might be like a few sprinkled through the whole book that take place with uh, like a sub story, uh, which ended up being the Cobb Vanth narrative, and um, and it was cool because you got a picture of like what the rest of the galaxy looked like in this time. Uh, because the the majority of the story focuses in on a set of characters that you know people don't really, at least I didn't really care about them. Um, but uh, I thought the interludes were were really well done. Um, yeah, that's exactly know. the same opinion I had as well. Some, I yeah. mean, a, a lot of them are very forgettable, but a few really stood out, and Cobb Vanth was definitely one of them. Yeah, for sure. Cobb Vanth to me was kind of like one of the highlights because it was the one that revealed like, oh, the Fett armor survived. Yeah, like, exactly. I remember more about that interlude than the rest of the entire trilogy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is really funny and yeah. kind of saying something because it was like it's, it's interesting. five pages. <laughs> it's interesting because when I was, yeah, and when I was speculating on season two, 
Um, I, 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 there was one of the trailers where, where there's a shot of Boba driving off with the, the Mandal- with Boba's armor, right? Okay. And uh, and of course, like in season one, we had that moment where we see like the 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 guy walk up to the bounty hunt the bounty the dead bounty hunter's body in the desert, and you hear the spurs, and yeah. uh, and so there's a lot of hinting hinting going on there that Boba's so like, alive. oh, it's Boba, it's Boba, it's well, Boba. What are yeah, your thoughts and, on that? What are your thoughts and, on the possibility of Boba returning at this point? Do you think it's just fan service? Or like, well, well, at the time, so at the time of like of like speculating on this season, right? I, I thought instantly I was like, oh, they're going to bring Boba back and like the whole narrative of Aftermath is going to get completely washed away. We're never going to have any mention <laughs> of Cobb Vanth at all. Like we're not going to get any of that because that's what they've done with the new films. And yeah, I should have, I, I should have had more faith. I should have, exactly. And I should have had more faith that they would actually honor the books because uh, they came clean. And like the, the story that Cobb Vanth tells of like how he gets the armor is a very summed up version of like actually what happens and yeah you know, i was I, actually I, really surprised by that they really kept to it like they really I, kept it yeah. i kind of forgotten that part of the the story some of the existence of a cop band for the most part yep. but you bringing up the the book version and just watching it in the show it yeah it was almost identical like they yeah. did a really good job it, it was like a summed up version of like w- the events that he went through and uh you know they yeah they did an awesome job adapting that um but to, to get to your question about boba uh i think it's both fan servicing and and just uh for story purposes i think it's just a cool decision mm-hmm. um i hope that it doesn't take away this is my only fear is that it doesn't take away from the character of din Djarin. um like, like as soon as Boba's back, the focus is then like, oh, Boba Fett's back. Like, that's all that yeah. matters now, right? Um, but at this point, we've had a whole season to, like, love this this character of Din Djarin mm-hmm. and, and the child, right? And and I don't think anybody who loves Boba Fett as, as much as the rest of us does um, would ever put one over the other. Like, I think we all love both those characters in their own individual way. That's um, true. And they're not going to make, let's say hypothetically, that Boba does come back. They're not going to make him the main character. No, he's gonna, yeah, he's, he's yeah. going to be like some side character in this. He might even only even show up for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, and I, I wonder if one, they'll have the balls to kill Boba off in this show. Like, like that's what I wonder. I wonder oh, that's if a good question. I wonder if at some point we'll see Dinjarin actually take a blaster to Boba's to Boba's. To Boba's face or something like that, because of some some event that happens. Because not only because we got to remember, Dave Filoni is the guy that actually gave Boba character. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Was the thing that I would trust it is because it's Dave Filoni, and yeah. Dave Filoni, exactly as you were just saying, actually filled in who Boba actually was through mm-hmm. the Clone Wars series. Because we get like a, a little bit of a hint of him as a child and Attack of the Clones. But right. that just kind of left a sour taste in most people's mouths. Just like, you know. Yeah, little, it's like, oh, he's just this kid. Tiny and... Anakin, right? Darth Vader, he's six years old. It's just yeah, him. Yeah. No one wants to see them when they're like innocent children. So. <laughs> People <laughs> want to see when they're older and yeah, awesome. Like. They, yeah, they want to see how they became men, not how they like learned to play with blocks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, but, like a, a lot of people weren't fan of, weren't a huge fan of that. I, I actually don't mind it, but whatever. Yeah. I, I'm willing to see how it plays out if they decide to go that route. I was curious because, I mean, 
I, we should probably get into it more later, but mm-hmm. it's it's definitely seems like something that they might go in that direction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, basically to sum up the whole like Cobb Vanth thing that was going on about, I mean, for anyone listening, if you want a, a very a more in-depth story uh, as to like Cobb Vanth, how he gets the armor, kind of what he does after he gets the armor and even what he does before with the whole... Uh, uh, mining guild uh, or whatever that th- that shows up and ruins um, the town and all that. There, there's a there's a massive sprinkling of his story uh, throughout the aftermath trilogy, and uh, you know it's it's worth looking into. Uh, they also had a whole subplot that they didn't get into with his recap, which involved uh, a gang uh, group called the Red Key Raiders, which also at the time posed as a mining group. Um, so I was trying to figure out if they were the same mining group as the mining uh, group that we saw raid the town, but it's actually a different group. So, um, so yeah, yeah. I was say, those guys all were blue. Yeah, yeah. So like a very, very the different. Blue yeah, key raiders. The, the blue key raiders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Anyone, anyone looking into into that story? If you like the character called Vanth, aftermath uh, by Chuck Wendig is where to start. But um, so uh, you mentioned something during the 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 watching this episode that that I actually wrote down because I wanted to talk about it very briefly but uh you said that uh it's it's a different you said something along the lines of like it's a different perspective on the sand people that we've had before Oh yeah absolutely well because it, it's a different times, canon canonized view of the sand people because yeah. befriending the sand people and working with them to a means actually mm-hmm. has been done once before and that's in the original Kotor game Right yeah, and that's that's actually a good point that you bring that up because uh, there's the the later on more to do with the Great Dragon that they pulled out of Kotor as well, um, but uh, but yeah, I mean this is the first time that we've never seen the that we haven't in the in the films at least in the canon that we haven't seen Tusken Raiders uh, take uh, the spot as the just antagonist. like these yeah these like savages that you can't reason yeah. with they just show up and they they raid. You yeah, have. like like they Harder. have no code or anything, you yeah. know. And and I think Dinjarin puts it very well. It's like they are ruthless people, and they yes, they are raiders, but uh, you know they they will hold themselves to their word, right? So uh, you know we saw it in the first season when Dinjarin actually negotiates with the Tuscan raiders, tosses them the 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 gunslingers monoculars so that they can gain safe passage across the Dune Sea mm-hmm. uh, or or their their territory, whatever it was. When they were hunting that uh, that bounty hunter chick, and uh, you know, in this one we see them uh, actually like team up with the whole village to take down the the great dragon, which is pretty cool. And it's a very different perspective on those characters from from when we see them previously, which is them trying to kill Luke Skywalker, them being hunted by Anakin Skywalker, and then them shooting down people in pod racers because yeah, it's, it's true. They're like fun, taking pot right? shots at like yeah. six year old Anakin. He's trying to drive by. Yeah, it's like it's like man, these people are like <laughs> the original school ruthless. shooting. Yeah, it's like these it's like these guys have no ethic at all. Um, and I mean, like the a very emotional scene of them even just kidnapping like Shmi Skywalker, and she dies. Yeah, was, that's what I was them. thinking about too. They just like kidnap this woman, and just like yeah, they tie her up, and she basically just like starves and is tortured to death. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like these people are terrible. Like like they're they're ridiculously ruthless people, and and so it's a very different perspective, like seeing them actually team up with some other people that live on Tatooine to take down this giant beast. And, you know, they don't kill a soul along the way. 
yeah. or, or actually or break not, the word or anything. Let's not skip the fact that this is the first time we've finally seen what a crate dragon looks like. Yeah, with this in the flesh. Yeah, yeah. because and th- that's a good point because in a new hope we've seen the skeleton of a crate dragon, which yeah. which was which you a, only know about if you actually bother to look into it. Right. It's not yeah. like explicitly said in the film. Just exactly. like it's never revealed in the film itself that that noise that Obi-Wan uses to scare off the sand people who mm-hmm. just attacked Luke, he uses the sound of a crate dragon to scare them away. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a good point. And, and, um, and also the skeleton that has shown up previously being crate dragon has always just been this spine with a big, with a big skull on it. Right. Yeah. And I, I could never, I could never, I never put this together. But all the like the miniatures, all the drawings from the expanded universe of Crate Dragon looks more like an actual dragon where it has like legs. Yeah. You know, it doesn't necessarily have wings, but it almost looks like a giant more like a lizard of, thing, right? Yeah, almost like the thing that Obi-Wan rides on Utapau. Okay. Um, yeah. But but more dragon like, right? And uh, and of course instead of spitting fire, it it, it Obviously, from this episode, it spits acid, but it which I think is this, new. I'd never, I didn't expect that. <laughs> I, I didn't expect that either. But I, I guess, um, I guess maybe that's why they call it dragon. But um, anyway, so this thing though is more like a worm or a snake. Than it is more else. wormy. Yeah, man, well, they're just ripping off Dune left, right, and center here. <laughs> yeah, well, it makes it makes more sense to do with the skeleton because I was yeah. like. Hold on a second, like like that doesn't look like the crate dragon I've known from expanded universe universe yeah. before, but it does look yep. like the skeleton that three PO walks by in the desert, and like that explains a lot because it's just this kind of snaky Big, spine long, thing. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have any limbs. Yeah. No, it doesn't have any legs. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, that's a good point. Yeah, so I thought that was really well thought of. I think when they they didn't just like because they I mean Dave and John have been drawing a lot of expanded universe stuff. Probably thanks to Story Group and Pablo as well. You know, adding in all these things, but they made sure that they didn't just take out the design of the expanded universe Cray Dragon and use that over again. They actually thought yeah. about oh hold on a second source material. Let's go back to the very first movie ever made in Star Wars. Take a look at the Cray Dragon skeleton. What does it actually look like? Well, it looks like a snake. So like let's make the Kray dragon, like this snake dragon thing. So I, know, I, I thought that was really well thought of, uh, when, uh, when they were designing this, this monster, but, uh, yeah, they did a cool, really cool job with it. And the, the, uh, ILM did a fantastic job with, with the actual Kray dragon, like model. It looks yeah. a handful of shots, maybe not as nice, but the majority of them, it looked practically real. It looked so good. Oh yeah. Yeah. It looked, I was it looked amazing. very impressed. Yeah. Yeah. It looks super good. And, and of course, like, I think this this episode looks as if it had a higher budget than I think most of the episodes would have in season one. I can um, see that. Well, they probably got the okay from Disney to spend more money on it because they got they probably made a lot of money from it. So Disney's willing to invest more, right? It makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, because I, like I would say this was technically a lot more difficult than the last monster that the Mandalorian faced off against in... Yeah, the uh, the Mudhorn. Uh, the Mudhorn, yeah, from the first or second. I think it was the first one. Yeah, it was the... Uh, um, yeah, it was the last time he was on that uh, desert planet. Was that Tatooine? It was Tatooine as well, yeah, because he was helping the Jawas. So he helped the Jawas and the, uh, the Sand People. Because those were off-world Jawas, so I, I forget if that was Tatooine or that, there was oh, that, other, right. that other planet. Um, that other dust ball planet, but, 
Yeah, Jakku? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many now. There's so many. Uh, Geonosis? I don't know. Right? <laughs> um, I noticed that the spirit of Tatooine throughout this entire thing was very much based on A New Hope. And I really appreciated that. Because... Uh, just the vastness? The, just the, the emptiness of it yeah. all. Yeah, okay. Because, because, I mean, you know, going back to A, a New Hope... Um, you know, the, the town of, of Moss Eisley uh, is, you know, Obi-Wan describes it as like uh, the wretched hive of scum and villainy. And then uh, these are after the Empire is over. When we when we have seen Moss Eisley before, which has been uh, on multiple occasions at this point, um, it's always been a very empty place because yeah. I guess the bustle is gone. Right. Uh, but uh, this little town of, of Moss of uh, Moss Pelgo, uh, which is kind of off the map town. It really so off the map. They actually like, removed it from their maps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They made and the effort to take it off of there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> no, not even on record. It's like, oh, it's there. You know, it's, it's not on the map, but it's there. And it's like it reminded me of all those. Like it, it paid homage to so many Western classics, where it's like there's this mm, tiny this movie town. did a lot of that. I like yeah, that a lot. There's a sheriff and a tiny town yeah. with like some villagers. The music and, too. When yeah. Mandalorian's like riding in for the first time, that was just a straight up Western song. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it wasn't so, Star Wars. It was just pulled from a Western. Yeah, it's like they took the idea of Moss Eisley, shrunk it down to like an old Western, like a Western Western town where it's like. You know, you have a single street with like buildings on either side, and that's it. You know, yeah. nothing else. Like everyone kind of like either lives in one of those buildings or they live freaking off in the middle of nowhere, and that's where they get their water for the day. Holes in the uh, sand somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, <laughs> I I really love that because of course we've seen the busier part, the busiest part of Tatooine being Mos Espa, which is what came from uh, the Phantom Menace. Phantom when, Menace, when, you know, yeah, it's the city which that, was a very bustling town. I think it was actually quite large. Very big, yeah, very big city, which is probably the capital of that planet, I'm assuming. Um, and, uh, you know, and the Boonta Eve pod racing hosted right, there, you know, yeah. popular place. So, I mean, this assuming to be like the other side of the planet, which is like, according to the map, it's like way over there. And, uh, you know, you do get that same kind of like style, but it's like shrunken down to a P. And, and then that's where... <laughs> That's maybe, that even, maybe even more than that. Yeah. yeah Honestly, like there small. was too many people for the three buildings they had. I'm just gonna say it. Oh, in that in that in that town. Yeah, there's like a storage building, and there was a bar, and the other one's probably like a bathroom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's probably maybe that was due to the fact that they actually uh, it's possible they like I guess they built that set rather it's, than it. That's being, true. I could yeah. more than likely I would say it was a set. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, like it's, uh, it's probably just a budget constraint that they couldn't build more practical buildings, but oh, it's um, just the vibe they wanted to go for just a maybe. town. Yeah, maybe. Um, but, uh, yeah, very cool. Like the, I think the spirit of Tatooine, uh, was kept very true. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, did you, did and, you know what that, what was that? Well, I was going to say, since you mentioned the boon to Eve, we might as well mention that Cobb Vanth took mm. one of the pod racer engines from Anakin's pod racer and turned it into a dirt bike. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so I personally, I actually really love this idea because I, um, I, I read this book series a long time ago, uh, which I still actually own all the books. Uh, it was a scholastic series called Jedi Quest. Yeah, and I remember it was, these. Uh, it was all about 
Anakin and Obi-Wan between episodes two and three, but it took place towards more in the beginning of those 10 years when Anakin is like a very young Padawan, right? And uh, mm-hmm. and it kind of focused in on him, Obi-Wan, and other characters like Furious Olin and, and such and such. Um, there was a book, I think it was the fourth or the fifth book or something like that in that series, where uh, there was some, it's a vague memory of mine, but there was some sort of pod race that had to happen in which Anakin had to re-face his old nemesis, Sebulba. Sebulba? Like, <laughs> son. Or, yeah, it was like a rematch sort of idea where he's yeah. like Sebulba's son or something. And yeah, in, like, in that scenario... Oh, time! Yeah. <laughs> well, and in that scenario... In that scenario, yeah. he actually... Yeah, he is. So he actually had to, to face uh, Sebulba... Um, uh, with uh, or I think it was uh, Sebulba or Sebulba's son in in his in his old pod racer, so uh, the pod racer that Anakin sold in the Phantom Menace when he was freed as a slave, yeah, and it ended up getting bought, I guess, by whoever was was uh, uh, you know eventually going to give it to Sebulba to race with or or whatever, and uh, and he had to best his own creation that he made that that racer but the idea that somebody else was using anakin's pod racer i was like oh yeah like he did sell it so it makes yeah, it sense, makes sense right? other people so, use it yes it's something ex- ex- became of it exactly yeah something they became of that pod racer and banners and put it on, on the uh, the castle right yeah Maskana's castle yeah, yeah his, his pod racing <laughs> flag was was supposed to be up there until jj took it down but uh, it's in the trailer <laughs> Long live Anakin's pod racer. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's cool. I, I like the idea, and and you know, I like to think that because it is the fastest. I mean, if you think of F one racing, right? Yeah. Um, if a if a car, if a very particular car wins, uh, you know, a certain amount of championships or tournaments, whatever, it's it's literally known throughout history of being that car that won this championship. It's true. Yeah, I know. So, like, there's a, several different uh, like Ford cars have been known for things like this, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, if you look at the uh, the 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 GTR, the Skyline, you know GTR, uh, yeah. you know known as being uh, a very well well respected vehicle for all the championships that it won in in its field, um, and so I like to think that Anakin's pod racer, which he bragged of being the fastest pod racer ever made, uh, is known to other people as being the fastest pod racer ever made. So I like to think that after he left Tatooine. For those, uh, for those next, you know, twenty to thirty years, or whatever, up until A New Hope, that that perhaps uh, that vehicle was possibly sold and passed around and still used in in pod races that happened on on in the Boonti Eve or whatever. Right? I guess I always pictured my head the next guy would, you know, be real cocky with it and just drive it into something and it'll blow up. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe like, something like, crashed. It. I don't know. Like, but the uh, three quarters of the pod racers we actually see in the race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a a vicious, a vicious race. A lot of yeah. people dying, but uh, I'm the only one that can do it. <laughs> well, and you see, that's what makes me think maybe the spirit of Sebulba <laughs> racing that thing and 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 being a competent driver enough that he actually didn't crash into anything. Um, it was his, it was his cockiness that actually tore apart his own racer, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like makes me think maybe we actually had a competent driver doing this, and then maybe eventually it got outdated. There was other maybe someone kept this as a as a as a classic, you know, display, and then <laughs> you know eventually you know flash forward like because I'm sure yeah. a lot of people yeah. 
Maybe yeah, flash Java. forward like 30, 30 years or 40 something odd years. Uh, sorry, 50. I think it's 50 years because Anakin was like 45, I think, by the time he died as, as Darth Vader. Um, and this is five years later. So I think it's around 50 years, I think, since mm-hmm. Phantom Menace. Um, this pod racer is like 50, old, 50 years old. It's a classic. Uh, and, you know, and somehow, someone just like tears it apart and makes it into a bike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and it looks like it's had some modifications too. Um, well, they have to I, take a huge chunk of it out and stick a chair in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, stick a chair in there and make it balanced, you know. Um, but uh, I was thinking to myself, I was like, what a badass like speeder bike! Like, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, that's like, he's like sitting cool. in an engine. It's yeah, he's like sitting on a jet basically, and uh, and I mean, not to mention it's the it was it was half of like. Uh, the fastest pod racer ever, which probably means it's faster than a speeder bike. Um, yeah, so, I would guess just based on the fact that the whole thing is an engine, it's probably faster than a speeder bike. Oh yeah, that thing can go so much faster. Yeah, because pod Cobb racers Bans? are known to be. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Cobb Banth ever opened her up? <laughs> oh, I bet I bet he's opened her up. No problem. I made some made some modifications. So. Uh, but. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty cool. I mean, him being like this like Western like sheriff guy. Uh, I he's mean, got a today, badass dirt bike. He's got his Mandalorian armor that clearly yeah, fits yeah, him yeah. very it well. Just, it just fits the character. Yeah, it just fits the character super well to have one of the fastest jets on Tatooine. Uh, yeah, to to motor around to all the places he's like got to take care of business. You know, I wonder um, if they're going for like a Lone Ranger kind of thing right where he's like this yeah black stallion horse you know yeah the fastest horse yeah in the West. he's got his yeah exactly he's got his yeah. his silver his bronco yeah yeah absolutely i think that's that's kind of the style i think uh you know and anyone who gets anyone who's mad about the fact that that's anakin's pod racer engine i think it's well actually, we don't know that for sure i'm sure at some point pablo will probably say yes it is but probably, it could probably. theoretically be another pod race racers engine that looks very similar, like yeah, yeah in like the same kind of like style. Maybe yeah. after Anakin was so successful, other people just like stole it. Maybe the people who bought it then made a bunch of them. Who knows? Yeah, adopted the design or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, so you've played Kotor, right? Yeah. Both. Um, now, do you remember anything to do with the crate dragons of pearl? Yeah. Uh, yes. So. I was actually going to bring up earlier that it was really funny that you work with the sand people and you fight a crate dragon because it's exactly what you do on Tatooine and KOTOR. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, once you defeat the crate dragon, which I think you also do with explosives in that game, mm. you lure it out and kill it with explosives. Uh, after that, at the back, it's not in the crate dragon, I don't think. I think it's in the in its cave. There's a pearl there, and it's actually... In the game, it's a crystal that you can add to your lightsaber that makes it more powerful. It's one of the best crystals in the game. Mm. Uh, it Obviously, the crystal we saw in this episode would not fit in a lightsaber. Right. <laughs> and it's a yeah. pearl. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, a, it's, it's a great uh, dragon's pearl. So this is what I got off the Wikipedia is that the uh, that the uh, Wikipedia, sorry, uh, Kray Dragon, the, the Kray Dragon Ikor is a pearl uh, that the acid that they spit uh, turns stone into these pearls over time. And then they get embedded in their flesh. So so, so I guess after blowing it up, that's why you saw it hmm. stuck inside. Um, but yeah, in the EU, it could uh, it could be used as a, as a lightsaber uh, crystal, I guess, or I guess yeah. maybe an amp- amplifier. Or, or yeah, so it wouldn't be the, the crystal itself, like that emits the color and all that. It would be like an, 
an additional crystal that would have different effects on the lightsaber. Mm. Okay. So in those games, color, you, have, you could have two crystals. Uh, no, I don't think this did. I think it was just a modification crystal. Okay. All right. So in a in a game style format of way of talking, like it would just bump up your damage, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. That sort okay. of idea. So in the Star Wars, you like a gun I guess, modification. In the Star Wars, in the Star Wars galaxy, uh, I guess, like in the cinematic universe, I guess uh, you should, you call it. Um, what do you think? Like, if if that was the case, because obviously these things are massive in canon. Yeah. No. Um, if you did find a tiny one, uh, like like, what do you think it would do to a lightsaber? Would it like? <laughs> Uh, in the actual Star Wars canon, that's a good question. Because obviously you're not going to have game mechanics. You're not going to have some Jedi be like, Ah, at last, now I have plus five to hit yeah. on my lightsaber. <laughs> my, my lightsaber powers have doubled since the last time we met. <laughs> <laughs> Made a few modifications myself. <laughs> uh, I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> that's a good question. I feel like it's in the actual universe, it... I couldn't see it having an actual effect. It's like it's a pearl, it's not a yeah. crystal effect. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think in a lightsaber it would actually change anything. I think it's more of a thing of value mm-hmm. and something that is more like bragging rights. You know what I mean? Like it's something you would display right. of great wealth. Yeah, for sure. I think it'd be something like yeah, if it was but, used on I, on a lightsaber in general, I could see it being a really valuable like activation switch button. Yeah, or just yeah, yeah, something that'd be cool to have on there. I guess if you really wanted to like push the fantasy narrative, you could say maybe it it, it focuses the uh, the saber energy itself better. Who knows? Yeah. I could see yeah. something along those lines, maybe. Yeah, I could see that happening. Um, uh, it could cut through other lightsabers. <laughs> 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 Maybe it's the and only lightsaber. The damage. Yeah, it's the only lightsaber now that can cut through Mandalorian armor. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, actually, speaking of which, now that you brought that up, do you think that that is something that they'll get into with with um, lightsabers cutting through Beskar? Like, do you think that that's going to be brought up as a as a possibility that? Maybe we'll see some lightsaber resistance with with Oh yeah, Beskar. for sure. Uh, they absolutely are going to show some resistance with that. Uh, I could see like we've already seen that the dark saber has made an appearance in this series. Yeah, and yeah. I can guarantee you at some point because they'd be stupid not to to have a dark saber that ends up fighting against Mandalorian armor at some point. Right. Yeah. Because why would uh, you why would you miss that opportunity? Like, exactly, I, I can't yeah. see Dave ever missing that. Did. Makes me yeah. actually wonder though, did they ever show interaction between Beskar and lightsabers in uh, the Clone Wars series? So that's that's the only thing is that I'm trying to think back to to that the Mandalorian series. episodes, yeah. Um, and we know Obi Wan was there. Yeah, and I don't ever clearly seeing any scene in which the armor plating was was destroyed through a, a cut of any kind the yeah. only time i think that anything could have possibly been damaged i have a vague memory of somebody's jetpack being sliced open with a, a lightsaber it's always jetpacks it's yeah. always, jetpacks it's always the jetpacks yeah and that's death traps so i'm trying to think if that's maybe maybe the case but then but then i mean we've seen a few of the mandalorians in that show take a blaster hit to the head and uh or or even other places and they've just 
stayed down, right? Like they, right. they got shot. So, I mean, in the Clone Wars, they didn't make it very clear that Beskar was actually well, that blaster resistant or whatever. Whereas in this show, we've seen countless times where Din Djarin has taken a hit and it's bounced off. Yeah. Been fine. Yeah. Well, you have to keep in mind that the plates on the chest are the only parts. And, and I guess, like, if you want, probably like the wrists and, and the, not usually not the wrists either. Usually it's the thighs, shins. And the torso are Beskar, and the rest of it is not Beskar. Hmm. So you have to keep that in mind. So if you get hit in the head, it's less likely to, uh, to like, sorry, it's more likely to kill you because that's just a regular uh, plastoid helmet. Mm, or, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder at least if that's, they... that might be EU now. That's what it was. So if you yeah. get a headshot, could still actually kill a Mandalorian. It makes me wonder if they'll clarify that particular uh, bit of the science there. Um, yeah, because Beskar forward. is a very dense steel. Like, if you know, look at their armor chunks, like the pieces on the body are really thick, and the helmets mm-hmm. clearly are not as thick as that. Right. Yeah, no, and, and it explains why Boba's got like a dent in his helmet. Right? Yeah, because you wouldn't think that Beskar would dent. Actually, I think his, some of his torso has, has a dent in it as well. Hmm. But it takes it takes a lot to damage it, right? Because he took like a full on sniper blast in one of the episodes in the last season. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it does it does take a beating, I think, before it starts to break. But uh, so anyway, for anyone listening that that might be interested in the create dragon a little more and the the pearls, uh, there was a, there was a short story written in Star Wars Insider number seventy four called Pearls in the Sand. Uh, Issue number 74 actually came out a long time ago. It was February 24th, 2004. Uh, so probably a short story that was inspired by KOTOR. Um, and uh, that also gets into the Krayt Dragon's treasures that the Tusken Raiders so-called, uh, I guess, possess over. But um, it's interesting, all that stuff, because it's very obvious that this entire plot for this episode was very inspired by those games right uh yeah i've noticed that the whole way through i was i i really enjoyed it i'm a huge fan of those games not so much the online one but the original games right and it makes me wonder like story and there's a lot of really cool star wars elements in them yeah and and like so that's so my question to you is like do you think that because you asked me about the boba fett fan servicing thing do you think that um that this whole episode in general uh, like the outline of this whole story with the Krayt Dragon, all that thing. Do you think this in itself is 100% fan inspired uh, by by KOTOR and its fan servicing, like all the way? And is that a good thing? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's certainly inspired. Uh, I I doubt that they went out of their way specifically to write a story to take that. I think what more likely happened would have been someone pitched the idea to do that and someone else, like Pablo, mentioned, oh, hey, we, like, we have, we have, there's a story where this already happened. Maybe we could take a look at it and pull what we like. That's my guess is what happened. Mm-hmm. I doubt they were like, you know, I played this game 20 years ago. I think we should do the story. It was really good. Right. Yeah, no, that makes and sense. I don't have any problem with it. I think it was cool, and it's very like specific fan service. I don't. I, very few people are gonna know what it is. I think. Yeah. Because basically, you would have had to play that specific game from like two thousand. So. Well, and 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 I think I think I mentioned this like when we were talking about 
um, when I was talking about Last Jedi or, or something when we did the, the commentary for that, uh, which I, is dropping next week. But um, <clears throat> but I think I brought up, did I bring up the whole comparison between fan servicing and and uh, um, uh, re... No, rehashing. Uh, rehashing. Yeah. Did I, did we talked I, about that uh, during the Last Jedi. Y- yeah. So so um, so I guess to anyone who didn't catch that commentary track, um, like I I brought it up at one point that um, that uh, the complete idea of Force Awakens being very much inspired slash rehash of A New Hope. Um, you know, if we took the outline of this particular Mandalorian episode and compared it to Kotor and been like, "Oh, that's just a rehash of it's like def- I that story that. arc," it's, I wouldn't. It's yeah, different. exactly. Like, I it's, think it's it's definitely inspired by, and I think yeah, it is fan servicing. But I think fan servicing isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think fan servicing is very much a good thing without doing a complete, you know, replication of of something that is very iconic in itself already. Yeah. And yeah, no, even though totally. like Kotor, Kotor in itself is an iconic game, but if you take out one tiny story arc in that vast game story, yeah, nobody's uh, gonna care. Every, everyone loves that small, game. It was a very small part of that game. But like I have multiple planets, and this the whole this whole part of that they they borrowed or like referenced didn't have anything to do with the main storyline at all. Yeah. It was just like you had to do this to get something. The, uh, there's a thing inside the Crate Dragon's cave that you're there to get. That's the whole point why you're on this planet. Right. But yeah. as far as like befriending the other, like the Sand People, the Tusken Raiders, and all that, that wasn't really relevant to the main story. And mm-hmm. I thought that was just a nice subtle nod. Like, again, it was something that is kind of like. Blink and you'll miss. I'm sure people played those games, but they haven't played them in so long they've completely forgotten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I guess the last thing, you know, this entire episode built up to was the fact that the, the armor, Nights theme, the armor, the armor survived. But uh, the the what theme? The, what theme? the Arabian Nights theme. The, oh yes, the Arabian, the Arabian Nights. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. This man, well, like when they when they showed that whole scene of the Tuscan Raiders and, and, and all they're the going to the village and yeah, the, yeah, all the are all, all uh, in a line, kind of like parading along the top of the dunes. The yeah, music yeah. is just like straight up Arabian Nights. Straight up Aladdin. Yeah, yeah. Arabian Nights. Arabian Nights. <laughs> so good. Um, so, no, what I was gonna say is uh, thank you for bringing that up because I almost. No, forgot. I had to. Yeah, um, like it, it but, stood up so much. I'm sitting there watching it. I'm like, why am I thinking of Aladdin all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I. Uh, <laughs> man, the um, the last the last thing that I at least I caught was uh, I mean obviously the Boba Fett reveal. Yeah. Uh, what did you, what did you have to say about that one? I was not expecting that at all. That actually caught me really off guard because yeah. we've really been led to believe at this point that somehow the armor got spit out and it only survived because it was Besker. Mm-hmm. Everything else was dissolved, a.k.a. Boba. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
seeing Tamara Morrison at the end means it has to be Boba, right? There's, oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah, gotta it's be Boba. And, and he's got all the scars on his face for, and no hair and all the scars on his face from the acid of probably the stomach of the yeah, Sarlacc. Yeah, I guess it's something like that that like, burned him. It's interesting that he's still yeah. on Tatooine. It is, uh, because this is five years later, so it makes me wonder what happened to Slave 1. Because, uh, because Slave 1 was obviously in his possession being employed by Jabba. It makes me wonder when that whole incident happened, somebody just like went over to Slave 1, hijacked it, and left Tatooine. Like one of the, one of the people that used to work yeah, at, uh, at so. Jabba's Palace. I'm, I'm not heard, sure oh, Boba's exactly. dead, let's take his ship and leave kind of thing. Well, the, I guess the other question is, is there some sort of lock to it? Because, like, so Slave One is pretty tricked out. You think it might have some sort of gene lock? Yeah. So yeah, only think, a, only the so. clone could steal it. Maybe. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Maybe it is on Tatooine still, and it's hidden. And and maybe you know what? Maybe we'll see Jabba's palace in a future episode. I don't know. I think that'd be so cool. I mean, we're gonna test awesome. me enough times here, and this show yeah. is of the right vibe that going there, you know, it work. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We'll see more of Boba going forward, I'm assuming. I hope so. It wasn't just some random Easter egg. You never see him again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did do a whole storyline, a back, like, behind-the-scenes kind of storyline, if you pay attention, between a number of episodes in The Clone Wars where you kind of see the Slave 1 traded around before Boba gets back. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, like, Hondo is the one that actually gives it the paint job that it has. Yeah. Um, and and repairs it after it has a bit of an incident. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, for 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 absolutely anything more on Boba Fett. I mean, aside from the the little, aside from the kid in Attack of the Clones and the appearance that we have now, uh, Clone Wars is the best way, the best place to look for that story. Um, because well, and Empire Strikes Back, I guess. But you know, Clone Wars like it gets it really gets into his character a lot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I really so wish they would have filled out the rest of the story with Cad Bane and him. But I, I really do, too. And and it makes me wonder if, because of this show, maybe we will get it eventually in some sort of adapted material. Like, I'd, I'd be pressed to say it's going to happen. Yeah, so. I hope so. It, that, that's such a cool story they just kind of, like, ditched because Disney cut the funding. Yeah. Oh, man. It's... This, it sucks, but we'll, we'll get into that another time, as always. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, did you have any last things to kind of bring up? Um, I guess if we're closing up, I would just say this was a really solid first start, and it got me super excited for the series again, and I'm really looking forward to see where it's going to go. And yeah. I, I just love the, this Old West kind of vibe they have to it, so I hope they, they stick to that kind of kind of style. It's interesting yeah. that he, he straight up pointed out that he's trying to find what we know uh, as Yoda's race. Yeah, he's trying to find their, their like home world or whatever to take the child there, right? So I'm I'm quite curious to actually see how that's all gonna play out, and if we're now actually going to see Yoda's origins. Mm-hmm. Because this has always been something yeah. up in the air that George made an effort to never reveal. So I don't know if that's like betrayal or what. Uh, yeah, you know, I think I think honestly, like I have enough faith that Dave and John Favreau can handle this. Uh, yeah, with, that's my with still too. with honoring what George would have would have done, I guess. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're all a bunch of frogs that just hop around everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, the idea of the characters that you just never know a thing about them. Yeah. <laughs> 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 anyway, we'll catch you next time, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Every anytime. Yeah, we'll see you next week. All right, thanks so much, Blake, for uh, being on the show, and thank you all for listening to our first episode of our Mandalorian Nights series. Uh, it's going to be a great season going forward. We're looking forward to it. And uh, looking forward to breaking down all the other future episodes ahead. So, uh, yeah, but uh, very curious. You know, myself and Blake were actually talking about it. And uh, we would love to hear what you guys think of uh, this opening episode to this season. And uh, the way that you can put in your opinion. And we're going to discuss all, all of you guys' opinions uh, in the next episode, perhaps. Uh, you can email in your thoughts about all this in, uh, in at our email, which is theescapepodoutlook.com. Uh, it's listed in the description as well as our Twitter feed, which is at Podcast. Just send us a tweet, tag us on there, and uh, hashtag The Mandalorian, and just uh, let us know. What did you, you think of the first episode of, uh, of Mandalorian? And, and uh, we're not going to talk about it unless you tag us in your tweet there, so make sure you do that. And uh, you can also leave us a voicemail as well. If you want to be heard on the show, uh, you can do that at our voicemail address, which is also listed in the description. And uh, you can send us uh, a voicemail at the URL address, which is speakpipe.com slash Star Wars Escape Pod. Uh, all are great formats to get in touch with us. You can also look us up. We've got a, a Discord server happening and uh, and all that so uh big favor if you rate five stars and share this podcast with a friend that would be awesome my fellow mandalorians this is the way and may the force be with you we'll see you next time on the show 